At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the rock, to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Then, and I am here to tell you, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid but filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised the plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while you were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Here ends the lesson. Well, let's just pray as we come to God's word this morning. Lord, we just pray that you would be with us. Thank you so much for Easter Sunday. We just pray that as I speak on your word that you would be with me. Lord, I pray that your your uh, strength may be shown through our weakness. Um, Lord, I just pray, Father God, that you'd help us to see the wonderful miracle of uh, life conquering death through what you did on the cross for us. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Well, get out, everyone. How's everyone? Thanks. I can see you through Marty's phone. Well, you might be wondering why I'm here virtually this morning. And for those of you in the 10 a.m., I'm with you live. And I'm being recorded for those in the 4 p.m. So thank you for those in the 4 p.m. for putting up with the recording. But I really only have the strength and energy to preach the sermon once today. Uh, but you might be asking why I'm not actually with you in person. You can probably all guess, but this is the reason here. <laughs> nice, two really red stripes. I was started to feel really crook yesterday, and I thought, oh, no, I better take a rat test. So I did, and within about two minutes, it came up really dark red on that, what is it, the T-line. And I'm sure many of you have been there as well. And then I was praying to God that it would go away before the 15-minute mark, but it didn't. So, so there we go. So we're all in isolation for another week. And I know many of us 
know what that feeling is like as COVID has ripped through the community. But to be honest, you know, I am feeling pretty ordinary this morning. I've got the mute button ready to go for when a coughing fit comes. But now that it's Omicron and now there are vaccines, most likely I'll feel cooked for a couple of days and then I'll probably feel all right. But, you know, it wasn't always that way with COVID. Before Omicron and before vaccines, lots of people died from COVID, and some people still are. I personally know a few people overseas who have died from COVID. One of them was a translator I've worked with in South Asia in 2019. He was younger than me, and then one day he felt a bit crook, and a few days later, he was dead. You know, COVID has shaken our world, and one of the reasons it has is it's brought death and mortality back into focus. And more recently, we've had another reason that's brought death and mortality back into focus, and that's war. Uh, we heard Steve praying for the situation in Ukraine, and over the last several weeks, we've been watching ordinary people in Ukraine living with the fear of death. Ordinary Ukrainians who every day wake up thinking, will the next lot of missiles strike my home and kill me and my family? You know, but even those images of death that are beamed into our living rooms and on our TV, often they can just feel like statistics on the other side of the world. What really brings death really close to us is the death of a loved one, and particularly seeing a dead body. Most of us have seen a dead body at some stage. Some of you who work in the medical professions see dead bodies all the time. But most of us, like me, have not seen many dead bodies at all. I remember the first time I saw a dead body. I was 15. It was my beloved grandmother, Nan. A day or two after her death, we went to the funeral parlour where her body lay in state, and there she was, a cold, lifeless body. And I looked at her, the nan I knew who had hugged me, who smiled at me, who'd laughed, who'd spoke nice, kind words to me, my warm, loving nan. And I looked at that body, and it looked sort of like her, but it didn't quite seem like her. She was gone. Sure, it was her body, but the body was now lifeless. There was no breath in it. She was dead. And for those of us who've seen a dead body, especially someone you've known well, that you've loved, who's loved you, when you see them dead, it's completely different to when they were alive. The colour is gone. The warmth is gone. And most of all, the life is gone. My nan had gone. Death. Death is ghastly. It's terrible. It really is the worst thing. It does not make sense. And a few days ago on Good Friday, we remembered Jesus' death. Jesus's crucifixion. We remember Jesus's burial and Jesus's dead body. Jesus had died on that cross and some of his friends, Joseph and Nicodemus, had taken his body and had carefully laid it in a tomb. But not only were Joseph and Nicodemus there, 
but a couple of women were there too. Excuse me. There we go. That should keep me going for another couple of minutes. A couple of women were there too. And they were the two Marys, Mary Magdalene and another Mary. And they watched as Jesus was buried. They sit sat opposite the tomb. They saw the cold, colourless, lifeless body of Jesus laid in the tomb. This was not like the Jesus they had known. They had known a great teacher. They had known a great miracle worker. Mary had known the powerful Jesus who had cast seven demons out of her. They had known the man who was acclaimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God. They had known the Jesus who loved them and others. And now all they can see is a still, lifeless, dead body. They see the stone rolled across the tomb, and as night falls, they return home to prepare spices and ointments. The following day was the Sabbath, so they had to rest. But on the third day, the day after this Sabbath, they are now free to return to the tomb, free to pay some honour to this man, the man who they had thought was the Messiah. At least in his death, they thought they could pay him some respect by anointing his dead body with spices according to their Jewish custom. And so we read, if we turn to Matthew 28, in verse 1, it says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now think back in your minds, what were they expecting to see? When was the last time they had seen Jesus? It had been a couple of days ago. And what was Jesus like then? He was a cold, colourless, lifeless, dead body. Not like the Jesus they had known before. So what did the two Marys expect to see when they went back to the tomb? They expected to see a pale, cold, lifeless, dead body of somebody that they used to know called Jesus. But Luke tells us what they found when they got to the tomb in verses 2 and 3. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. What? They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. The last time they had looked, a great big stone had been rolled across the tomb entrance, keeping the dead Jesus securely inside. But now, not only has the, has, has the stone gone, but where's the body of Jesus? Excuse me. Something had happened sometime before the Marys arrived. In verses 2 and 4, we read, There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Now, remember those guards the chief priests had posted the tomb to make sure no one stole Jesus's body? Well, when this angel had come down from heaven, they trembled and became like dead men. And we'll come back to them later and have a more of a discussion about them. 
But let's now return to our two Marys. In verses 5 and 6, it says, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Now, we're so used to that, that sometimes we miss how amazing that was. Put yourself in these women's shoes. You've last seen Jesus as a dead, lifeless body. You've come to the tomb to pay your last respects, and you get there, and something amazing has happened. There's been an earthquake. The stone has been rolled away. And there's this angel from heaven sitting on the stone, and you know it's an angel. Why? Because his appearance is like lightning. His clothing is white as snow. He's absolutely dazzling like no other ordinary human being. And then this angel talks to you. He tells you that he knows why you were there. You've been seeking Jesus who had been crucified, the dead one. But the angel says, he is not here. He has risen. What? Risen? In one sense, the Marys shouldn't be surprised. Why? Because as the angels remind the two women, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. You see, before he died, three times Jesus had predicted that he would die and be risen from the dead. But of course, that hadn't really sunk in. But now it must be sinking in. Second part of verse 6 says, Come and see the place where he lay. Not where he lies, but where he lay. The past tense. That is, he's not there anymore. The tomb is empty. In verse 7 we read, the angels continue their talk. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Now keep imagining that you are one of the Marys. Everything is happening so quickly. You're expecting a dead body. But finding an empty tomb, a brilliant angel sitting on the stone tells you Jesus is not here. He's risen. And the place where he lay is now empty. And then the angels give the Marys these instructions. Go and tell his disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead. Now, Jesus did not rise from sleep. He didn't wake up from a coma. The angels want to make it very clear that Jesus had been dead. He has risen from the dead. And the women are given a task to tell the disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead and to meet him in Galilee. And back in January, when I preached on the last part of this chapter, we talked about that meeting in Galilee. But back now to these women, and let's have a look at their reaction to this command from the angel. In verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. 
Notice the emotions they had. Fear and great joy. We don't normally put those two emotions together, do we? If we're fearful, we normally wouldn't we would normally feel sad and grieve, not joyful. And if we're joyful, we wouldn't expect to feel fear. But these women felt both. And that, my friends, is very often the reaction when a sinner meets a holy God who has redeemed them. If we have truly met the resurrected Jesus, we will have a fear of God. But also a great joy. And so with fear and great joy, they run off to tell the disciples. But before they get there, something even more amazing than anything that has happened so far now happens. In verse 9, we read, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. OK, now think what it's like for them. Last time they had seen Jesus, he was dead lifeless motionless speechless sure they've seen the empty tomb they've seen the place where he used to lay they've seen a radiant angel who's told them that jesus has risen but now they see the real thing jesus not dead not lifeless not motionless not speechless but talking to them greetings in aussie english it would have been g'day can you imagine if you were one of those women? I hope you do what they did. In the second part of verse 9, we read, They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. They saw the risen Jesus, and they worshipped him. Only God is to be worshipped. They worshipped him because they realized that Jesus is God. And then Jesus repeats the command that the angel gave them in verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So that's the women. How privileged they were. You know, it wasn't one of the 11 disciples who got to see Jesus first. It was these two Marys, one of whom, Mary Magdalene, whom Jesus had cast seven demons out of. They were women who in the Middle Eastern culture of that time were poorly regarded. But they were not poorly regarded by God. Jesus gave them the amazing privilege of being the very first people to see him risen from the dead. Or at least the very first people who saw him risen and who believed. Because there were some other people at the tomb. Now, we don't know if they saw the risen Jesus or not, but they did see the other things that had happened. And they were the guards that had been posted. We read about these guards at the end of chapter 27, just after Jesus had been buried. And we read in Matthew 27, verses 62 to 66. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. 
Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. So these guards had been there. They were trained, well-trained. They were armed, disciplined. They were part of the Roman army. They were keeping watch over the tomb, making sure nothing happened and that no one would try to break in and steal the body. But they aren't prepared for someone breaking out. They aren't prepared for an earthquake. They aren't prepared for a brilliantly shining angel, shining like lightning, who rolls back the stone, as we read in Matthew 28, 4. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Well, after a while, it seems that they did recover. And we read in verse 11. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. So the guards told the chief priests everything that had happened. In other words, they told them about the earthquake, the tomb opening, the angel, the empty tomb, the whole lot. And verse 12 tells us what they did when they heard this report. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, now think about that. So the chief priests and the elders came up with a plan. What will their plan be? Now remember a few things these priests and elders had said earlier, before Jesus died. Way back in Matthew chapter 16, verse 1, it says, The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Okay, so sometime earlier, Back in chapter 16, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, had wanted a sign from heaven. And now Jesus has risen. They've got their sign from heaven. If an angel from the Lord descending from heaven isn't a sign from heaven, I don't know what is a sign from heaven. Not only that, only a few days earlier, while Jesus was hanging, hanging on the cross, dying on the cross, they had said, in Matthew 27, 41 to 42, in the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. So now Jesus has done even more than come down from the cross. He's been raised from the dead and come out of his tomb. Will they do as they promised and believe in him? Let's see. Back to Matthew 28, verses 12 to 14. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while he were, we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Um, excuse me. Uh, these chief priests and elders, they've had their sign from heaven. Jesus has risen from the dead. 
and they still don't believe? But instead, they bribed the soldiers to make up a story. The Jewish leaders refused to believe, even in the face of overwhelming evidence. And so they have to do something to try and stop the news getting out so they concoct this story and pay off the soldiers with a large bribe. They aren't interested in the truth. They're only interested in spreading a lie. But now, look at what the soldiers do. Remember, the chief priests and the elders only heard the report about the angel and the empty tomb. The soldiers had seen it with their own eyes. Will they believe like the centurion at the cross believed? Or will they accept the bribe and propagate what they know to be a downright lie? In verse 15, we read, so the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. They accepted the bribe to tell a lie. And friends, there are many things to take home today from the resurrection, but there's something I want you to notice. There were a few witnesses of what happened at that empty tomb. The women and the guards. They saw similar things, but their reactions couldn't be more different. The women believed. They believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. They believed that Jesus was God and they worshipped him. The guards, despite seeing the evidence with their own eyes, instead accepted a bribe to spread a lie. And what about you? There are two types of people in this world. Those who believe and trust in Jesus and those who do not. Jesus died. Jesus rose from the dead. Because Jesus rose from the dead, it also means that if you trust in him and repent, that is to turn away from doing your own wrongdoing and turn towards living the way God wants us to live, then we also will one day rise from the dead. Is that amazing or what? Yes, one day, unless Jesus returns first, every single one of us will die. I have COVID at the moment. Hopefully I'll recover based on the stats I'll recover. But even if COVID doesn't kill me, something else will one day. And all of us will face death one day. Each one of us will become a cold, lifeless corpse in a tomb, in a grave, just like Jesus did. But, hallelujah, Jesus did not stay a cold, lifeless corpse in a tomb. He rose again as a living, breathing, speaking, resurrected being, never to die again. And the beauty of that is that by rising from the dead, Jesus beat death for all who believe in him. So that just as Jesus did not remain a cold, lifeless corpse in a grave, neither will you if you are in Christ. Hallelujah. Just as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 57. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. 
but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Let us not be like the chief priests. Let us not be like the soldiers who refuse to believe despite the overwhelming evidence. But let us be like those two Marys who fell at their feet and worshipped Jesus and had that wonderful and sure hope of the resurrection from the dead, the hope of eternal life. Because Jesus on that Sunday morning, nearly 2,000 years ago, beat death. He put death to death so that we who trust in him may not experience death and will live forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57 again. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for our sins. That he went through what we must all go through. Death. Breath leaving our bodies cold, lifeless, in the tomb he lay. But Lord, as he defeated death and sin, he rose from the dead, conquering death. Lord, I just pray that if any of us are here today who have not repented of their sin, turned away from living life their own way, and have not trusted in you, that you would help them to see the truth, the overwhelming evidence of your existence and that they would turn towards you and not be like the soldiers, but be like the women. And Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us who does trust in you and follow you. Help us to live in the hope of the resurrection. Although even though each one of us will face our own death, that we can know with a confidence, the security that you have put death to death. And that thanks to your resurrection from the death, that we will one day also rise from the dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.